uh, in the family. And uh, I have a few things to say to you today. <laughs> few things. Let's go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the Lord that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we, I'm continuing with this series. You're going to be speaking next Sunday? Oh, yes. Angela will be speaking next Sunday. It's so good to talk about the family. There's a lot Satan really hates the family and never really wants the family to accomplish everything that God's created for the family. And so we are addressing the uh, family life and marriage at this time. It starts with marriage. And so we want to address that. But in my last sermon, I started addressing the singles. Those that are looking to get married. What you need to do. But as I address the singles, I'm also addressing the married people because there are certain things that you need to do. There are certain things that you should be doing already if you want a good home. These things are not difficult. What God has given to us to do, they are not difficult. You can find that in the Word of God. So if you're single, the first thing that you need to do, if you're looking to get married, the first thing you need to do is to acquire knowledge about marriage. I went into my daughter's room last night because my wife kicked me out of the room. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, cut it out there back there. <laughs> Maybe you experienced the same. <laughs> It's about marriage, you know. <laughs> so I went into my daughter's room to have a little rest, you know. And I saw, cut it out back there. <laughs> I saw a book that on a uh, little table there, the uh, Proverbs 31 woman. She, she's reading. I hope she is. Or the book's just sitting there gathering dust. But I was glad. You need to acquire knowledge about what this thing is. Now, I said, in Texas, they don't trust you to drive in their roads. I said, they want you to be a certain age. They want you to take a course. And they'll test you. And for that reason, I think uh, some people's cars last longer than their marriages. Because they took time to know something about driving. But they took no time to know what they were getting into. And marriage is so important. You can go to the, uh, the court to get a marriage license. Nobody asks you, how many books have you read about marriage? They just give you a license. But walk into a DPS. Is that what we call DPS? and you need a a license, (laughs) they will make you go through a lot of stuff. Marriage is very important. So we need to acquire knowledge because this is something that is going to be 
with you for the whole of your life. You want to get married and stay married. Read books. You can't be having problems in your home and you're struggling in your marriage. Read books. The books are all over the place. There's so many books on marriage. So acquire knowledge. Even after you've gotten married, still study to know more about what this is. You might find out that some other person is going through what you're currently going through. And then you can discover how they got out of it. And then it's a blessing. You can apply that principle so we go into it. The next thing that you need to do, if you're looking to get married, secure a solid relationship with God. You need that. If you can have that, a strong relationship with God. Because after you get married and the children come and trying to know your mate, it's very hard then to begin to find enough time to seek God the way you should. But you can spend your days establishing yourself in God so that you know your God because Satan is going to attack your home. But you know your God. Your mate may not know God. That's up to them. But you know your God so you can seek God on your own when troubles come. So you want to take that as a mighty asset into your marriage. Something that will keep you knowing God when you are still single. That's the time to spend time knowing God. So you go into this thing that God himself created. Marriage is of God. This is, marriage is God's own creation. He has all the keys. He has all the answers. So if you know him and you've heard this word and you have knowledge from the word, when, the trou- when troubles come, you know where to go to find answers. You'll be, you won't be running to and fro. You are still strong in him. So it's a major asset. Make sure you know your God on your own. Verse, you know, uh, when I was uh, a single person, both the uh, Christian men and the Christian uh, woman in church, they wanted a spiritual woman, you know. <laughs> but the guy himself is not spiritual. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster. He wants a godly woman, but he himself is not godly. He doesn't take time to know his God. And he's hoping, if I marry this one, she's godly, that's going to work for my marriage. No. You get to know God for yourself before you get into this thing called marriage. You got to know God for yourself. Third thing that you need to do, discover the purpose for which God created you. Especially for the man. Discover the purpose for which God created you. Every one of us is created with a purpose. God brought you into the world for a certain reason. There's no waste with God. Every person is important to Him. So there is a reason why He created you. There is something that you must fulfill on earth before you pass on to heaven. You want to know exactly what that is. You want to know exactly, you want to seek God to find out exactly what that is. And God will answer. I didn't understand this, but if you ask him, he'll tell you. It's so clear. This is something I never knew. I wish I knew this. If you ask God, God, please tell me, what is it that you really want me to do? Some way, he'll let you know exactly what he's created you for. If you seek him, 
you will find him, he said. If you seek him with all of your heart. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great things that you don't know. So when you call him, God, I have a problem. I still don't understand why I'm here on earth. What am I supposed to do? I see what others are doing, but I need to know exactly what I should do. Am I called to be a nurse, a doctor, whatever? I need to know. Am I called to be a preacher? So once you settle that, then you know how to find your mate. If God's called you to be a preacher and your wife doesn't like preaching, you are in real trouble. If your wife doesn't like church, but God's called you to be a minister, that's trouble for you. I know of a pastor, I mean, that he's gone. His wife, thank God for my wife. <laughs> Uh, I never even stepped after God called me into ministry. I was waiting for God to speak to Angela. Get her. (laughs) Please. I was afraid to talk to her because until she's willing, there's no way to do this. This preacher's wife will not get involved at all. She wouldn't get involved. She sat at the back. He's no longer a preacher. He was a preacher of a sizable church. No longer a preacher. In fact, the wife told her, I'm they divorced. She went away. She told him, I'll come back if you leave this your preaching business. And he did. He did. But guess what? That was a lie. She didn't come back. She didn't. But he had already resigned his position. Can't go back. So basically know exactly what. Because when the woman comes or the man comes, they should be, you should be working together in what God has called you. We come into that. It's so important. So you need to know the purpose for which God created you. What am I supposed to accomplish? What am I supposed to do? You need to know that. And then the fourth thing is cultivate a godly character. If you curse like a sailor and you find Christ and still curse, start taking care. Work on that. Get a hold of yourself. If you're struggling with anger, you got to start praying. Because once you get married, one incident of anger can destroy your marriage. So you already have a problem. Any vice that you cannot, you will not have control over, or cannot have control over, any vice that you refuse to have control over, eventually will become demonic. And it's going to cause you a problem in your home. Don't say you don't have, you can't struggle. We all struggle. But you start working on it. Working on your anger. Some people are so bitter, they can hardly forgive. And they don't know why it's hard for them to forgive. You wrong them, 10 years later, they're still mad. You can't get married, you can't get married with that in you. You never forget, forgive your mates. And so you'll be living with your mate in bitterness, whereas you're supposed to love this person. So you get a hold of those things, those impulses, you had to get a hold of them. Nothing outlasts character. Nothing. 
So you got to develop character first before you get into marriage. I told somebody, you're good, you got talent. But if your character is no good, your, your character will overshadow your, char- your talent and it will be no good. Nobody wants anything to do with it. We know of people who had, I know some of us know about Michael Jackson. He had great, great talent, right? But before he died, you know, this is it. This is, this is it was because nothing was going on well for him, right? This is it was because nothing was going on well. Did he have the talent? The talent was there. Oh, not all over the world. But his character, his way of life had overshadowed his character, I mean his talent, Nothing, it wasn't only good. So take, get that hold of your, your character. Your character will over, overshadow your wealth. You have a lot of money, but you're bad at home. She or he cannot stay with that. They're ready to split. So if you are trying to get into it, make sure you're taking care of this and you know what's going on. You know when you have something that's wrong because others have told you. And you've acted out sometimes. You don't justify it. Fight it. Before you get married. Because if you don't, your mate's going to suffer what you're going through. And so we've got to take care of that. So cultivate a godly character. Number five, take care of the temple. Take care of the temple. For ladies get, trying to get married, you're looking for somebody, you believe they won't come. Put on the face all the time. Put on that face, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Only do it before you go to bed. Excuse me. <laughs> Take it off before you go to bed. You got to look good. <laughs> Amen. You're still looking. Men, you exercise. I didn't do that, but... Uh, <laughs> Make sure you're, you're taking care of the temple. Even when you're married, stay, take care of the temple. Take care of your temple. It's so important. You know, I remember before, I got, before when I got saved, we had a doctrine in Nigeria in those days. Uh, the women, they tied their hair. You know, and they had no, no makeup. We believe that if you put on lipstick, you're Jezebel and you're going to hell. So the ladies had no, no lipstick, no makeup. And just they covered their hair. You could never tell whether they had hair or not. And so I started complaining to God, why did you bring all the ugly women to church? And all the beautiful ones are outside. Where, where am I going to find a, a wife? These girls in church that you saved, they look like my brothers. Okay. So I was fasting and praying for a good-looking one to show up. I mean, you're laughing now, but it was serious business for me. I just... I was praying really hard. Every time I looked at one of them, I just <laughs> look just like my brother. We were taught wrong. You have to look good. 
is the way God wants it. He made all of these things. Every good and perfect gift came from where? From him. There's nothing wrong with that. And Colossians tells us it's not the outward appearance, not the touch not, not the taste not, not the handle not. Those things have nothing to do with Christianity. Look good. It's important. Even for the world, where you work, it's important. Before you get married. And even after you get married. I trapped her now. I can be myself. No, you don't. You used to look good, but now that you... I've settled that business. So now, I can afford to be my sloppy self. Your wife says, go in and take your shower. You have to stay capable. You know, the scripture where it says, cleave Cleave and the man should cleave to the wife. That word means continue to pursue. Continue to pursue. You know, you know how it is, guys, when you're chasing after a girl and, and she's running away, you keep chasing, you gotta conquer, you never quit, you know, you want you want her. And she lose good. She's she said, Oh wow, she lose good. So you keep running. That's important. But don't stop right after marriage. We can continue doing that. I know of, uh, sometimes it's hard to go into situations. Uh, when a man, in a situation, the man was so tired because the woman wouldn't take care of herself. And I talked to him and he said, I, I really can't do it anymore, it's over. And he gave me several reasons what the woman was doing. And I, I was speechless, I couldn't say a thing. I'm not in his shoes. I can judge him. So we need to do that. I need to move on real quick. Is this time right? Okay. Wonderful. I'm really enjoying myself right now. Let's go into marriage itself, as we discussed this here. There were certain people that came to Jesus, and they were asking him about divorce. We talked about that. And Jesus talked to them, you can't divorce your wife except on the ground of fornication. I used to wonder, why did Jesus say fornication? He should have used the word adultery, right? On the grounds of adultery. But he never used that. He used fornication. Because once you are sinning, practicing sin, after the, the, the marriage covenant is already gone. There is no covenant there. It's no longer adultery. It's immorality. There is no covenant. It's over. Forgiveness can heal that. But God allows you if you want to go your separate ways. But Jesus, the, the, the people said, how come Moses said to give them a certificate of divorce? And you can divorce your wife anytime. You, will, you wish like doing, doing that. You just write a certificate. Woman, you're gone. It's over. You can leave now. Jesus said this. In Matthew 19 verse 8, he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. He permitted you because of the hardness of your heart. So when there is divorce, the reason for it, most likely, is hardness of heart. 
He permitted them to divorce because of the hardness of heart. When you are not willing to listen, you are going to have your way. There is going to be divorce. You are like those in the Old Testament, not regenerated, don't really know God. The way God should be known, you are still dealing with the hardness of heart. But Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce. But from the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, that was not the case. It was not so. So if you want to have a successful marriage in my mind, go back to the beginning. What was happening in the beginning? What did they have in the beginning? In the beginning, it was not so. Notice what happened in the beginning. I need to rush now. In the beginning, when God God first created Adam, right? And Eve was not around. But then God himself planted a garden. I mean, the whole world, as huge as the world was and is today, God only had one specific place for Adam to live. Not the whole world, just this one specific place. He planted a garden and called it Eden. Eden means God's presence, presence of God. So God wanted Adam to live in Eden. Nowhere else but Eden. You can go around, but your real home is Eden. And Eden means the presence of God. When God brought Eve to Adam, where did God take uh, Eve to? Eden. The presence of God. Husband and wives, you have to be in the presence of God. That's the beginning. God has to be number one in your family. You have to be in God's house constantly. You have to be in His presence. It was in Eden that God met with them. They could hear the voice of God moving, I mean the sound of God moving when it was meeting time. It has to be in Eden. So you have people today, husband and wife, and their children, they only go to church when they feel like it. That's not the way it was in the beginning. They were constantly there in the presence of God. So if you want a successful marriage, a marriage that God will honor himself, a marriage that heaven will honor himself, himself, you need to be in church with your family. Husband and wife in the house of God, in the presence of God, in Eden. That's where they were supposed to multiply and flourish. Right there in Eden. Now, going from there, that says, if you find a husband or a wife, he, the person should be in Eden. Don't go outside Eden to drag the fellow back into Eden. In the presence of God. And that's what Christians sometimes do. They, they're looking for a mate, and they go find somebody outside of Eden. He's out there, and they believe that they can convert the person in Eden, and they drag this man into Eden and want to get married in Eden, the guy doesn't know the culture of Eden. There is a special culture in the house of God, the family of God. The culture in the house of God is foreign to this individual. You bring them, drag this fellow in, 
lady in, you want to get married, they become very uncomfortable. You only marry those you find in Eden. Can I hear an amen? Don't go drag them in. They get so uncomfortable. And after the first Sunday or two Sundays, they pretend like they really love to go to church. After the first or two Sundays, and then they tell you, well, I don't feel like going to church today. <laughs> That's the beginning of trouble. The next Sunday, <laughs> he goes to church, and then he misses another three Sundays. Before long, he doesn't want to go. And then after that, he's questioning, why do you go to church? He's trying to drag you out of Eden now. So the Bible tells us never to do something like that. Find your mate in Eden. And if you're married, stay in Eden. If you have your wife that's constantly not wanting to go to church, sit down. Look, we cannot do this. Because every time you do that, you open the door for the enemy. To come in. And now let me tell you, when Satan comes in with his troubles, he's not going to come in and with the horn and say, Whoa, this is Satan trying to give you problems in your home. He comes very natural. Just little things that you all disagree about become so huge. And then before you know, you're ready to divorce. Why? Because divorce takes place outside Eden. Amen? If you are in Eden, your heart is not hard. And you're not going that way. Some of us have made the mistake, but you can repent and tell, tell God to help you. Come back in. Very important. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So we should never do that. As far as I was concerned, when I was, before I got married, it was easy for me, once I find out the girl is not a Christian, it's over. My mind was made up. If he's not a Christian, and then I added uh, later in life, I said to myself, I will make the lady talk in tongues first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lock her up in the room and say, talk in tongues, let me hear. <laughs> I didn't have to do that with Angela. She already told me she talked in tongues and I heard it. But that was my mind. I was, I'm not going to make a mistake in this matter. It's a serious business. And so we stay in the house of God and we worship Him. What were they supposed to do in the beginning? God asked Adam, I want you, He planted him in the garden, put him in the garden, and said, I want you to dress, tend the garden. Right? We know that was Adam's job. Adam had a job. Again, you have to work. You have to work. If you are in Eden, it's a place where you work. Work's very spiritual. If you refuse to work, something is wrong. As a man, you have to work. We have a lot of doctrines. For me, I, I think through what I see in scriptures. Adam was told to tend the garden, right? So Eve was created later and Eve joined Adam. So you think Eve was sitting down watching when Adam was tending the garden? No, she was working as well. She was busy. 
That's why she was around that tree, you know. <laughs> she was busy. Both of you have to attend for the family. Make sure your family life is going well. And there is peace in the home. There are different things to do. If your wife is working as well, then you, when at home, don't sit back down as a man and you're watching television while she's doing all this stuff. Both of you have a job. You should sleep. You can do dishes. Of course, I can't fix a lot of stuff in my home. I have to call somebody else to do that. <laughs> Be quiet, Angelo. <laughs> but she can tell you I try. Sometimes I try to fix that stuff and it gets worse. But I'm trying. I remember I was in my home and Angela was telling all these uh, ladies from my church how I couldn't change light bulbs and all of that. I wanted to go to another room. You know, it's, uh, it was so hard to hear that. But Michael, my friend, he knows I try. I try. I just don't do it right sometimes. But you got to work. You got to do it together. It's a family. It's a family affair. You don't fight over things. You work together because your children are there and they're watching what's going on. And when they see that cooperation and the unity tending God's garden so that your family will flourish together, you don't fight, you work together so all the needs are met in the home and everyone is happy. It's your family. And when there is peace in the home and the family is doing well, believe me, God's presence is there. That's when prosperity begins. You see, God is not the author of confusion. You heard that scripture? So when there is fighting in the home and you are bickering about all kinds of things, the Spirit of God cannot live there. He's a gentleman. And this is the spirit of creation. So you work hard to make sure everything is in order and you have peace in your home so that the Spirit of God can move. I, can, I guarantee you, you know, you read Isaiah 54. He said, your children will be taught of God. Even in their sleep, when you are not aware, God's teaching them stuff. But when there's chaos in the home and there's fighting, oh, and one is, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And all of that stuff. The Holy Spirit cannot live in a place like that. Yes, you go to church and you experience Him some in church. <laughs> but when you get home, you are in hell. And that's not a good thing. The Spirit has to be there. Walk together. Walk together. I got some time. So two must be one. The greatest, the greatest troubler of family life, the family, you know what it is? Selfishness. That's number one. That's the greatest trouble in the home. Selfishness. Just people get married. All they're looking for is, I'm going to find that person to meet my needs. They are not thinking about what they are going to bring into the marriage. All they want is my need met. If he's telling her, I want you to look good for himself, not for anything else, she's needs met. That's the greatest trouble in the home selfishness you know E.W. Kenyon that's a, a minister I wrote a lot of books 
And he talked about this. It's the love of God versus selfishness. Selfishness. The love of God, the agape love on one side and selfishness on, on the other side. The Bible says that both of them must come together and become one. The selfish person doesn't want to go there. It's all about me. And so you hide things, you're doing things on your own, it's all about you, and they're complaining about, you know, you, you got to change. You know why they fight a lot, fight the husband or fight the wife about change, you got to change. You know why? They, they, they talk, Pastor, I need my husband to change. Or, Pastor, my wife, I think she's a she-devil, no kidding. I need her to change. And you, Pastor, would think, well, they really mean well. You know what they're asking for? I want him to change so that he'll meet my needs. Not for God, but for me. That's selfishness. And that's the major problem in the home. When, when people divorce, it's because of selfishness. I've often seen this. They, they are talking about the trouble they are going through, but they are not considering the kids. Have you noticed? The kids are sitting in their rooms, terrified, wondering what's going to become of their lives. But these two adults who agreed and stood before God and said they wanted to get married, God unite us, they're not thinking about those children. Those children didn't ask to be a part of your family. It was your decision. Now they are in their rooms, can't sleep, tossing, because... You can't handle this thing anymore. I've got to go my separate way. That's selfish. Hardness of heart. It's selfishness. There is no problem that God cannot... The Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? So if you're really having a problem and you really want to get that problem solved, if you're not selfish and you want to honor God, and you really love this person that you love. I won't say you lied that uh, you, you love before you got married. To, why are you talking about leaving the person then? You can cry out to God and God will answer. You think you're the only one having trouble? Go talk to, with your wife. Talk to Abraham. He had, she, he had Sarah. And you know what happened with that little boy. She said, kick him out of the house. We have to understand, selfishness is the issue. Think about what you are bringing and get excited about what you are bringing to your marriage, not what you can get out of it. That's, what it sh- that's the way it should be. And even if the other person is not doing their part, it won't be for long before they realize, that's a good woman, that's a good man. Because they are selfless. And they don't complain. Guess when there is complaint in the home, who is doing the complaining? It's usually the selfish one. It's the truth. It's usually the selfish one that's complaining. So you got to take your inventory of your own life. Am I selfish? Those things that you are wanting change in your home, why don't you change first? You change first and see what's going to happen with the other person. Instead of pressuring the other person to change, you do your own changing because they will respond to what they see. And your kids will respond to that as well instead of pressuring them to change. All of this is basically the normal human nature, selfishness. Selfishness is the greatest trouble in the home. 
is my thing. Instead of Christianity, it's our, our thing. He said, yours is ours. Mine is mine. That's the way it is. That's selfishness. It said that both of them were naked, right? And they were not ashamed. Naked means everything is open. Every time there's this dark area, you have opened the door for Satan to come into the family. It may not happen overnight, but slowly but surely, the enemy begins to work his division in the home so that you go your separate ways. And it will take the other person who is not selfish. I was talking to Pastor Solomon. He said to me, in a situation like that, um, that's the cross that the other person has to carry if that marriage is to survive. Just because he's not saying anything or she's not saying anything doesn't mean they are not aware. But they can accept it. This is my cross. I'm going to stay with it. But it's not pleasing before God. you got to change your ways so that the person, your mate, can be happy so that God can bless your family. Examine yourself. Are you operating in selfishness? Now, I'm going to conclude with this because my time is running out. Of, running out. Notice when God placed them in the beginning in the garden. Did you notice God had a tree there that they shouldn't touch? There's a tree there. That's representing God's presence. In, that's right there. With, before them. That's God's presence there for them. The tree there. They can eat anything. They can do whatever they like. But that tree belongs to God. You can't eat of that tree. You know, I've, I've, since I've been a pastor, I've seen certain things that's really funny. And um, that tree there is God's tithe. That's God's tithe. They can eat everything, even they have the tree of life. They could eat from the tree of life. But there's this tree there, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, don't touch it. That's for God. And you know what Satan said? If you eat of that tree, you'll be just like God. So you take of that, you're going to God. But what happens in a home when you're Christian people and serving God, that's a place not to go if you want to remain in Eden. Because as soon as you touch that thing, you out of Eden from the presence of God. So husband and wife, make sure you, you maintain that relationship with God. I know I'm, I can be very, I, I will be very bold because it's very important. This is spiritual principle. Husband and wife, make sure that part of your life is taken care of. If you don't, you open the door for the enemy. You can read in Malachi. Give him his tithe. So that his presence can stay in your family and bless your children. If you don't, somebody, something is going to suffer. Now, with me, I've seen a lot of stuff, especially as a pastor. Even before I became a pastor, I'd like to observe and see what was happening. There was a family in our church years ago. Yes, years ago. <laughs> but uh, this, this woman was almost like in tears. My husband will not pay tithe, she said. It was very painful to her. And I, I told her, look, it's okay. Do what you got to do. Don't worry about it. God will not hold you, hold you responsible 
for his, his uh, activity. And she told me a big check came in and he, I know him. He's not going to pay tithe on it. And she was crying. You know why? Because she believed in God. She trusted God. This son of Belial will not do it. I, I comforted her. I can confidently tell you that marriage no longer exists. They're gone. They went their separate ways. Whether the man is still serving God, I don't know. She's trying. So that's one place you don't want to go. The Bible tells us to honor the Lord with your possession and with the first fruits of your increase. That's part of the beginning. Okay, we are going to the beginning. That's where we serve God. From the very beginning to make sure we are doing things right before God. So that God will bless our family. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to stop here because of time. I, I, how many received the email that I sent to you?